Support for this podcast comes from White Rogers. With over 75 years of expertise in heating and cooling controls, White Rogers is proud to offer a full line of furnace controls, gas valves, cooling and heat pump controls, water heater valves and controls, as well as our leading edge thermostats. For more information, go to climate.emerson.com. I think important part part of this whole whole thing is is making sure that they know and understand how important they are and recognizing them yeah. in, in in our growth and and the impact that they're having. And I don't know if we're great at it, but it's it's something that we know is important. And and you know, being able to kind of create a vision and a, and and being able to um, express that vision or or tell that vision in a way that people understand. Um, is, is I think super valuable and, and I think there's a lot of people that want to be a part of a growing company yeah. and, and want to know, you know that, that what they're doing is impactful um, and, and, and if you know if they're just here to, to, to you know punch the time clock or just make a, like just to you know get by you know those people don't work out for very long yeah. uh, but it's the ones that can see the long term vision of what we're trying to create is, is um, uh, you know where we're at where we're at welcome to the successful contractor podcast powered by success group international a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I have with Brent Stoll and three of his sons, John, Jake, and Justin. They make up four of the five owners of Five Guys Home Services in Gilbert, Arizona, formerly Five Guys Roofing. In 2019, Five Guys hit an impressive $14.5 million in revenue at a strong profitability. A massive accomplishment considering as recently as 2015, the company was generating $3.3 million. What was the biggest reason for their huge and quick upward growth? It was Five Guys understanding that they needed to let go and trust others to do their jobs. That meant Brent trusting his sons and John, Jake, Justin, and Jesse trusting the managers reporting to them and their managers trusting their people on the front line. That trust, that belief in their people, along with five guys having a genuine, heartfelt interest in their team's happiness and success, all of that has been the backbone of Five Guys culture, which has proved to be the foundation for this explosive growth. You can't quadruple your revenue in less than five years without an entire team working together as one. So these five guys have changed a lot since first meeting SGI many years ago. They've had their share of struggles and challenges, but they've been so focused and willing to improve and grow, it's easy to see why they've been so successful. It's also easy to see why I expect them to enjoy even greater success in the future. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and pick up a few great nuggets of info along the way. All right. Well, wonderful. Uh, we have John, Justin, Jake, and Brent, all with five guys. Uh, it's services now, right? It's no longer uh, roofing. You guys uh, expanded a bit. Do I have that accurate? Yes, we've expanded. Wonderful, wonderful. And and for those listening who may not know you guys, could you maybe explain to everyone uh, where you guys are located? So we're in, uh, we're just outside of Phoenix, uh, in a suburb, Gilbert, Arizona. Wonderful. And and how big is your operation today in terms of people? If you, I'm putting you on the spot, but do you have a ballpark <laughs> number? <laughs> 
Yeah, we we I mean it fluctuates here and there, not not a ton, but we're right now we're between eighty five and ninety employees. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And of all the services, could you kind of explain to people the breakdown of uh, what percentage of you do of what? Maybe residential versus commercial versus construction and and so on. James. You're breaking up just a little bit. I could say that one more time. Sorry. No, that's okay. I just if you could share with everyone uh, what what percentage of the business is what you know residential versus construction, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a great question. So we're we're uh, right now, uh, you know, 100 percent of our business is roofing, but um, split into three divisions, working with commercial, which uh, runs about 40 to 45 percent of our business, mm-hmm. and then on direct with with homeowners, um, about 30 percent, mm-hmm. and then the rest makes up more of our um, working on homes, but working directly with realtors and property managers. That's great. That's great. And maybe just kind of share with everyone. There's a reason why I'm calling you guys have really been doing well the last couple of years. Could you maybe just kind of give everyone a glimpse of, of how sales have, have progressed uh, the last uh, two, three years? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely been growing. Um, we, uh, you know, it really started picking up when we decided to uh, really segment and, and be specific about who our customers are mm-hmm. and, um, and get the right people that fit um, that sales role and, and that personality of whoever the customer is. So we've been able to really find good people to come in and work directly with realtors, directly with property managers, and then our own team of, of sales guys that work directly with homeowners. And and because of that, we've been able to allow our sales to increase like it has. Uh-huh. What, what did you guys end up uh, finishing uh, 2019 at in terms of revenue? So twenty nine, yeah. So twenty nineteen, we ended uh, just little over uh, fourteen and a half million. That's fantastic. And what what was that in comparison to twenty eighteen? Uh, 2018, we were about a hundred thousand dollars shy of uh, 10 million. Wow! So you guys are you're doing great. That's that's awesome to hear. And we'll we'll definitely dig into what is has been the big difference the last couple of years. But before we do that, something I always enjoy with these interviews is learning how you guys got to this point. I think that's just as enjoyable as, as learning the nuts and bolts of business. Um, now, Brent, I'm I'm super honored to have you on the on the program. I uh, wasn't sure if you'd be able to make it or not. You started if I if I read online accurately, you started in the roofing industry. In 1985, is that accurate? Yeah, in the mid 80s, I uh, was working for a roofing contractor here in the Phoenix area mm-hmm. and uh, selling flat roofs, residential uh, and commercial. Uh, we did mostly foam roofing. Okay. And had a young family, and we were just starting out and trying to figure out how we were going to support ourselves. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, what five boys? Is that that's the whole crew, or are there other kids that are not involved? We actually have four four boys and a girl. Four boys and, and a girl. Uh, all four of the boys are involved with us. The five guys came from four boys and I. And, uh, That's great. Not not the burger, not the burger company. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how dare they steal your name? That's a bunch of baloney. First of all, you guys better be getting some royalties or something out of that. But uh, right. so so Brent, talk to me. How did you end up in roofing per se? Was it like right out of high school? Did you go to college and do it, or was it uh, a friend or a neighbor? Did you answer an ad? What what got you into the industry? So it was actually a, a, a friend, an acquaintance of mine. Uh, uh, I was looking for work. We had a young family, yeah. and uh, the economy had slowed down here in the sure. in the Arizona area in the in the mid late mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing quite a few things to try to 
feed our family and keep us going. And yeah. uh, I went to work as a sales manager uh, for a local roofing company. Okay. Um, one of their other employees happened to be a, a good friend of mine and uh, and referred me to them, and and uh, we got got started started with them. That's fa- that's fascinating. What was the? It wasn't. Uh, well, let's for, for, let me let me back up before I get into that. What what year did you uh, finally decide to go into business for yourself? Uh, 1994. 94. So what happened in 1994 that you said, you know what, I can do this on my own. I want to do this on my own. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Well, we had uh, we had been working here in the Phoenix market for a while. The guys that I was working for also had a roofing company over in California, and, mm-hmm. and it was having some problems. And they asked me to go to California in uh, 88 and uh and to take over as a general manager over there so i did oh and uh we kind of the economy kind of turned around and we did some things over there that it helped us become profitable and and grow and we we grew from about six million dollars and not being profitable to almost 20 million and being profitable wow and uh that kind of gave me the the game plan that i i felt like i needed to to go out on my own and our we were pretty much have uh, done having kids and we wanted to come home yeah uh wanted to come back to arizona and, and there were, uh, there wasn't a place for me in the company right uh, to, to move back to arizona and so we said you know what we'll, we'll do just as well on our own so we uh we moved back to arizona and started western foam uh in mid 1994. wow and did did you buy another company or did you just start burning up the, the phone lines and using connections to start finding business. I mean, uh, launching a business from scratch obviously isn't an easy thing. So, what did you do to get to get it rolling? You know, it, it was tough in the beginning, and there, you know, Arizona's a tough market. And, you know, it's the middle of the summer, and it was hot, and uh, <laughs> we we just we we didn't buy another company. We started out from scratch. And, yeah. But we had kids out in neighborhoods uh, on rollerblades doing flyers, and <laughs> we were I mean, we were burning up real, realtors' offices and friends and neighbors and, and everything we could to, uh, to figure out what we could do. Of course, back then we were doing uh, single family custom homes. Okay. And so there was a very specific market for what we were doing. And so we were contracting all those uh, general contractors and we just, we went out and bought a phone machine and, <laughs> and uh, jumped in the middle of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and how did, how did the business grow over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years? I mean, I know your sons are, are all relatively young guys. You guys are all in your thirties or so. So, uh, you know, you guys didn't get involved probably with the two thousands. So talk to me about, uh, you know, how you were directing the business those first, you know, couple decades did, did it, did it grow rapidly? Was it slow and steady or there ups and downs? So we went in, in 94, uh, we, we did about $250,000 and that was me and one other guy. And, and we, you know, we were profitable from the beginning and, uh, we didn't have any overhead. We were running it out of our house. We parked the truck and the trailer in my driveway. And we just went out and beat the bushes and lived as cheap as we could. And, right. And, uh, and started off that way. Our, our second year, we went to about 500,000 and, uh, we, we went from 500,000. We went to about a million five by the time we got to about 97, 98. And that we plateaued there. Okay. Uh, that was uh, about as big as I felt like we needed to, to do. My priority was raising a family sure. and taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And so 
I kind of had a glass ceiling above me that that said, "Hey, this is this is what I got to do uh, to provide a, a living and a lifestyle for my my wife and kids." And so we stayed at a million million five to a million eight, uh, kind of fluctuated a little bit back and forth. Yeah, uh, clear up in, until early two thousand. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't remember exactly when it was. It was probably 2005, 2006, when uh, when John had uh, graduated and yeah. had gotten married and decided that this is what he wanted to do for a living. And of course, all my boys, they grew up in the roofing industry. Sure. They, they were all on roofs from the time they were eight or nine on. <laughs> um, so they all knew enough to not get into it if they didn't want to. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises for them. Yeah. Uh, but over the next few years, uh, each of the boys um, graduated from high school. Uh, most of them went on a mission for the Mormon church, so they were gone for two years. Good for you guys. Uh, and then uh, as they came back and, and uh, got married, some of them uh, tried to do some uh, – they, they went out and did some other things. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they all ended up settling back here. And, That's funny. Uh, our growth above $2 million is, is really – uh, on the backs of my boys mm-hmm. who um, decided that they needed to come in and make a place for themselves. That's great. Uh, so uh, they've, they've each come in and taken on uh, different roles. They yeah. continue to, to take on new roles all the time and give up some of their old roles. And as, as we grow, we've just, uh, we've kind of just grow, grown into it. And, right. uh, and SGI has been a, been a huge part of that. That's great. And, and we'll get into that in a second. Before we do though, I want to ask each of, each of the, the fine young gentlemen we have on here, uh, how, you know, why they decided to get involved and, and kind of share with everyone what their role is right now. So John, um, we'll start with you because you were the first one mentioned. What, what year did you uh, come back to the, to the business and say this is uh, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> so the second time that I came back was <laughs> December December of 2016. Okay, was that because of the mission or because you decided you wanted to do something else and just said, nah, I'm going to come back? I, you know, long, long story short, um, yeah. I, I I I took a four year hiatus okay. uh, from Rook and spent a good amount of time doing online marketing, lead generation, oh. business development. Okay. And uh, that didn't that ended up ending and uh, kind of found my way back. And, and now, um, you know, obviously bringing that information back and, and implementing it into the business, um, that, that's kind of the main role that I carry now is, is business administration, marketing. Um, and I, I, I take, I've taken over the kind of things yeah. uh, and have my hand in, in most, but try not to. Right, right. <laughs> Those two. And, and share with everyone what your official title is. Uh, I'm the CLO, the CLO, Chief, Chief Operating Officer. Very good, very good. Now, Justin, I I have you on my list next, so no partiality. It's just how I wrote it down. Justin, can you share with everyone uh, what your role is, and then how you decided that this was going to be uh, your place, your 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 future here? So I uh, right out of high school uh, was out on the roof with my brother, um, helping run production, okay. and at that time we were pretty small. So it was really me, and my brother, and about three other guys out uh, doing production while okay. my brother Jake was selling everything. So um, after that, I did take go to a trade school for a little bit, but then ended up coming back and deciding that you know that trade wasn't something that I wanted to get into. 
because at that time we were starting a family and so ended up shifting into sales in the roofing industry for five mm-hmm. guys and spent uh four and a half five years doing sales mm-hmm. and then started to convert over into uh being the general manager of our residential division so um at the beginning of 2019 was when we started to split up our roofing company into three different divisions to help kind of focus in on our clientele and provide a better service for each individual client um so i kind of headed up the uh the residential model trying to implement the the, uh, rsi model into our our division as much as possible so um you know i i decided to to get into it because you know it was what i knew it was something that i was comfortable with um and obviously there's good money to be made into it so um and it's all it's an easy decision when your brothers (laughs) and your family are all doing it too and you know you have the support system there to help you know get you through all the challenges that come along with you know getting into the career path that you're going to be in for the next you know 40 50 years right right for sure for sure now jake we can't leave you out could you share with everyone your your title and, and your journey back to the family business yeah, so so Justin's gonna laugh when I say this, but I'm the the CSO. <laughs> so no, I'm I'm over all of our sales team and and all of the divisions, um, just overseeing sales. Uh, I've been selling since I started back in 2010, really. Um, and uh, you know, I got home from my mission 2010. And there was really, you know, that was a rough, rough patch in the economy. Yes. So we uh, came home and there wasn't a lot of work at Western Foam. So went to work for a, a, a software company for a few months. And um, luckily a hailstorm came through 2010 and got a call from John and my dad asking for me to come on board and, and help with the influx of work. And so came back and, and since then have never, never looked back. So yeah. it's been a, it's been a fun ride. I've been able to see and be a part of the transition from Western foam, um, to five guys and, uh, and really have been, uh, you know, the, the lead on the, the sell side, yeah. um, for since that time. And so, um, you know, we brought Jesse and Justin in more on the, you know, the production side, they've been tremendous there, Yeah, but uh, I, I, a lot of, my focus and expertise has been on the sell side for the last eight eight years. That's great. That's great. Good stories. Good stories. I love. I love hearing this stuff. Um, all right. So, so let's pick up from from 2010. You you mentioned it. Um, you know, before. Oh, before go ahead, we please. On, we, we, there are five guys. Yes. There is Jesse. Yes. And uh, Jesse is uh, has been our general manager over our B two B division. He's actually out of the office and and out of town and unavailable today. But uh, so there's John, Jake, Jesse, and Justin. So I don't want to leave Jesse out, although he's uh, he's not with us today. Sure. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. I really do. No, I'm really glad because uh, he's certainly a big part of the the five guys for sure. We we can't let him go unnamed. So uh, thank you for doing that, Brent. Thank you. Um, all right. So so uh, like I said, you we had uh, you kind of left it off from 2010, where I know uh, you know <laughs> being in this industry for a long time, everyone kind of felt the pinch. Um, how did you guys grow out of that? And then you ultimately, uh, according to our our system at least, joined in 2015 um, with SGI. So maybe. Talk Talk about the those few years leading up to joining SGI and, and what kind of uh, led you to us, or did we find you? John? 
Yeah, so in 20, so 2010, like Jake said, there was a hellstorm that came through, and and a, I mean, you're talking about a, a storm that that never hits Arizona. Mm. So um, it, it created, and Dad, you you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was in the upwards of two billion dollars of roofing wow. damage. Um, and so that created a pretty big influx through 2010 and 11. And, and that, that kind of got us through, um, as that started to slow down though, uh, 2012, uh, rolled around and we knew we needed some help some way. We didn't know what that hope was, but we got a card in the mail from SGI, Hmm. uh, asking us to attend a profit day. So. Jake, Jake and I went to that profit day. We're thoroughly impressed with the, you know, with the content and the training and just the whole program. Yeah. And uh, and 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 si- signed up. Uh, wrote a wrote a check that I don't think I probably should have written at the time, <laughs> and and then called my dad and said, "Hey, guess what we did?" So, uh, <laughs> anyways, he said, "Well, we'll see how it goes." Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was. That, I think that was that was the start. That, yeah. that was the first time that we signed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that we uh, we ran with the RSI model. We tried to um, you know try to implement some things. Obviously, it was quite a bit different than how we were currently operating. Sure. And so there was a lot of changes that we did. There's a lot of trainings that was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we hit a huge kind of blurb in the screen. Um, actually, during one of the trainings. Um, during one of our trainings in, in, in San Luis. And I don't know, Dad, if you want to St. Louis. It was actually St. Louis. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so we, we had gone back to St. Louis for a, a training for a week and, uh, or four days. And while we were there, I had some health issues. Oh, goodness. Ended up with a bleeding ulcer oh, and uh, ended up in the hospital back there. And it was in uh, 2013. Okay. Um, ended up in intensive care. Uh, ended up coding twice in 24 hours, Holy cow. and uh, it, it ended up being a, a really dark, uh, a dark time for us as a family. Sure. Uh, and uh, and and our company too, as as we came back and uh, the boys were trying to uh, put things back together and figure out where we're, you know where are we going to go and is right. dad going to get better and you know all of that uh so we we had a tough time uh and then later in the same year i ended up having open heart surgery oh my goodness and so we we kind of lost uh we lost direction there for a little while yeah uh as the you know as the boys were struggling to keep everything going uh, in the right direction and, and not really knowing where we were. We we hadn't come up with an ownership agreement. There was no real transition of ownership or management. And so we were, we were kind of lost there for a while. And uh, I believe it was in 20, the beginning of 2014 that uh, that we ended up pulling away from SGI mm-hmm. okay. uh, and trying to trying to figure out where we were going to go and, and what we were going to do. Right. So, is that uh, is that cover it, John? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So, so, so you leave for, for in fourteen, and then you come back about a year later. Was it just you, you you missed having the camaraderie of other roofers? Were you looking for access to training and and, and just getting the the information at expos and stuff like that? What what brought you back? I'll, I'll speak to that if you don't mind. 
Um, so, you know, I think it was a combination of a few different things. I, I think we, you know, I don't think we ever intended and wanted to leave. I think it was a combination of a few different things. Uh, I think it was money. I think it was um, just direction and just trying to figure things out. And, and I think we quickly realized that there was, there was, you know, we were missing, you know, a piece, uh, a piece that we liked before. Yeah. Um, but just had the intent probably to eventually join again, but just never really pulled the trigger until John came back um, from his hiatus and, and mentioned the idea of it in 2016. Oh, and, okay. and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty quick, I think it was a pretty quick, yes, let's, let's get back on, you know, let's get back into it. At that point too, our, our cells were, you know, steadier. We, we were having a better flow of cells and we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a position to where we wanted to get back into that model that, that RSI had provided and, and really try to prove that model for our, our direct to homeowner division. Got it. Very good. Real quick. Oh, as an aside, when did the name change to five guys happen? What year was that? That was we rebranded in 2012. In 2012. After, yep. After we uh, we actually attended Expo, or we attended Executive Perspective um, as Western Foam, and when we left Executive Perspective, we decided to completely rebrand, and we changed the name. Obviously, got new logos, hmm. wrapped our first truck. We that that was our our. Um, Behag, if you will. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, to to get our name right um, and and to get our brand brand recognition the right way. That's great. That's okay. great. I know you said real quick, but let's let's back up. Yeah. To uh, to two thousand and ten. Yeah. When we when we had prior to that, we had only done foam roofing. Okay. And in two thousand and ten, when we had the uh, hailstorm that happened in October, yeah, we were quickly pushed into other kinds of roofings. Now we had. Uh, homeowners and building owners and uh, uh, property adjusters that were coming to us saying, hey, you know, we we need other services. Right. And uh, prior to that, you know, we, we had kind of kept ourselves to just foam roofing. Mm. And so as we as we move forward into 2011 and 2012, um, we started doing other types of roofing, shingle and tile and, uh, you know, other types of flat roofing and just coatings. And, and so we, we had kind of started a transition away, not away from foam, but yeah. in to things in addition to foam. Right. So when we went to executive perspective in 2012, we realized that Western foam didn't match what we do. Mm, right. And, and we needed to rebrand. Right. And so uh, as we as we talked about that at executive perspective and came home, uh, we decided that five guys <laughs> roofing better uh, describe what we did than, than the Western foam that we've been since 94. That's great. So that's, that's part of what uh, what prompted the change. Okay. I love I mean, I love I love the name. It really does uh, encapsulate what you guys are. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, and talk about those that, that first uh, uh, time with SGI, and, and you mentioned Executive Perspective. What? So, who attended Executive Perspective back then? Was it was it all of you, or was it just a couple of you? That was John, John, Jake, and Brent. Okay. Those were at that time Jesse and 
Jesse was on a mission in Spain and Justin was in high school. Okay. All right. Very good. So if you can think back then, what what were your impressions of that? What were a few of the, the main, you know, you sat there and at the end of the, the week, you're like, oh my gosh. Um, what are two or three of the main takeaways you, you, you got out of that event that you know, you, you're like, we need to, in, in addition to the name, obviously, but what are some of the other big things you, you're like, we need to do this? Yeah. You know, and I, I, and I know all of us could kind of speak to it. I, I think for me, I, I think that not to discredit anything that Brent had done in Western foam, but I think that, you know, as we, as John and I first kind of came into the picture, I think there was, there was a lot of like things that, you know, we thought of, but, you know, didn't change or didn't know how to change. So I think that during the executive perspective, I think there was a lot of light bulbs go off. Just yep. Like, yeah, we should be doing that. Um, it, it was almost like, you know, it was, we've, we've heard it a bunch of times, but we just, we needed to make it happen, you know? Right. I, I also remember it being a really emotional time, um, for us. I, I remember <laughs> my dad's a pretty emotional guy and I, I, I do remember at the end of the, the conference, him, you know, in tears about, you know, finding SGI and, and kind of where we were at as a company. And right. I don't know. I thought I thought it was it was a game changer for us. Right, right. Guys, do you have any other thoughts? You know, the John, Brent, do you, you have any remembrances of, of what you're like, we need to do this in particular, these two or three things? So I know for me, the, some of the big ones were the, on the financial side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think I, up to that point, I'd ever actually looked at a profit and loss. Right. In fact, I couldn't even tell you what the acronym stood for. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, lo- looking at that and, and recognizing the, the impact that, managing by the numbers is i think that was a big takeaway sure um and i know that you know get, getting our accountant back involved and figuring out you know h- how to class things and how to you know departmentalize and, and what that could do for our business i remember that being really impactful right 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 brent do you have any any thoughts of those that you heard you it was an emotional moment well, what, what hit you i mean i, I still get emotional about it because uh, you know when we went to executive perspective it was the first time that i'd met paul Oh, and, my God. Uh, yes. yes. Paul was, I mean, he was over the top. He yes. was uh, amazing. Uh, he and I connected from day one. Um, we, we had dinner together uh, during that time. Yes. And uh, the conversations that we had, the challenges that he gave me personally, um, not only as a business owner, but as a father of boys. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it just, it just, it all rang true uh, for me. He, he gave me a vision of where we could be, right? And uh, and and kind of gave me a responsibility to to get there, right? Um, so when you know when I left, I, I you know I kind of we had, we had thrown away that two million dollar a year uh, ceiling, and I I realized that I had a responsibility to grow a company that was big enough, not only for me and my boys, but for every, every employee that we ever brought into our company, that, that. that we had a responsibility to run it in such a way that it was profitable so that it, it, it brought longevity to, to their lives as well as ours, or, or at least stability, uh, income stability and, and uh, emotional stability. And that's been a 
big thing for me since the very first day, and I think that was a, a change of heart yeah. for me. I love that. Yeah, Paul and I were very close. So I always enjoy hearing stories about Paul, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, all right, so so you, you leave this intensive week. You guys are like, we got a lot of work to do, but you got, you know, I think there was three of you at that point in the business. You've got lots to work to do. You've got three of you. How did you segment things up and say, I'll do this, I'll do this, or did you all work on things together? How did you tackle uh, this monstrous change? I mean, gosh, you had a name change. You had uh, your financials you had to learn. Um, so how did you guys uh, take a bite of the elephant one at a time? So I, I think I think it first started by um, so I, I at the time I was the, I was the I I was just I was kind of like a, a man I was a manager I was I was managing production though yeah um, I was selling here and there but I think that kind of it became a focus of mine to to figure out you know the, the model and and figure out what changes are needed from that model. Um, so I think, you know, spending a lot of time, um, with our pricing and straightforward right. pricing, looking at the overhead care club, you know, the club memberships and how do you get that, um, integrated, um, you know, looking at the marketing side and the flyers and, you know, all of the different marketing pieces that they had and, you know, what, how, how do we approach that? But it was definitely, it was definitely a mutual effort. Um, I, I remember sitting in, in lots and lots of meetings with, with Jake and Brent, you know, discussing all the things that we need to change and, and, you know, the priorities and, uh, you know, just the whole thing. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if we honestly, looking back, I don't know if we approached it the right way, <laughs> you know, I, I, hindsight's always twenty twenty, yeah. and you, you can look at the results, but. You know, I don't know. I don't know if we approached it the right way. You know, we kind of, I think we took a shotgun approach yeah. and, and tried to do as much as we can. And I think that in some things we're successful and other things just completely, you know, fell flat on their face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, tr- just trying to figure out what, what works and what doesn't work um, and, and, and getting it, getting our complete model switched over. It, right. it was definitely challenging, but Right, 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 right. Jake, um, Jake, do you have any any remembrances of how you guys got things uh, implemented, and, and you know, and, and maybe some of the the things you were able to accomplish in those early days? Uh, you know, I think some of the big things that we are, you know, our takeaways when we first joined that we were able to it was it was able to make a big impact pretty quickly was our truck mm-hmm. our truck wraps or at least stickering our trucks and trucks and really prior to that we didn't have a great presence of that. So I, know, I remember coming away getting that implemented and we changed that getting our logos on as many things as we could i remember that sure we you know we getting uniforms i I remember that was another big takeaway that we we put into place you know one of the other big takeaways that i feel like we started to do and again it was a challenge and i don't think it really was until three or four years ago where we actually made the full switch was to be completely like departmentalized got it uh, in our books and, and really understanding the financial side of it and and i think that first executive perspective kind of gave a glimpse to what, you know, where we should be and, and where we wanted to be. And I think we made some quick improvements, um, but, uh, you know, continued to be uh, a challenge as we moved throughout the years, you know. Sure. Um, I remember some of just the, the, the more impacts on the sell side. I remember coming away um, with, 
just a, a different mindset on the sell side, really yeah. of, of presenting value, charging for repairs. Right. Um, you know, prior to SGI, we didn't charge a dime for for repairs. It was kind of just a, a way to gain relationships and and uh, get the replacement down the road. And yeah. I remember coming away with that. Um, knowing that we had to start charging for repairs and, and that that became a significant part of our business so right. that's great that's great Brent uh, do you do you, what, what kind of uh, remembrance do you have of those those uh, first couple years trying to grind it out and make some changes well I, I think what the executive perspective gave gave us a perspective of where we could be and where we should be and I, right. I think it uh, it kind of solidified in in all three of our minds um, the the potential that we weren't tapping mm-hmm. um, and, and I you know I, I think most of us uh, you know in the contracting business we we really don't set real high goals and we don't look real far down the road if, yeah. you know if we've got work for the you know next week or two weeks or a month you know we're, we're always you know we always feel pretty good about doing things if some, you know if the phone's ringing and, and uh, you know there's storms coming we're good yeah. um, so I, I think the perspective that it gave us of of what it could be, I, I think that kind of solidified it in all of our minds. That you know the boy the boys had, had gone and tried other things. They they come back, um, and and I think it really kind of gave us a, a a roadmap of of where we could go. And you know there there were there's a lot of stuff on that map, and we didn't get it all at once, and we still don't have it all. Yeah. But we continue to go to trainings, and we continue to go to expos. We look forward to them. Uh, to remind us what we're missing. Right, right. So it was it, it was good. The branding part of it, uh, you know, the the, the the sitting down with with Jake and Jesse or uh, Jake and John and 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 coming up with responsibilities specific to to them and their roles. Right. Uh, you know, that all came uh, from executive perspective. So uh, yeah, that was uh, there was a lot of changes in the next year or so. Yeah, that's great. So it sounds like you guys, uh, you you. Uh, you you committed all in. You started going to trainings too right away. That was something you you understood that there was value in that in that investment. Uh, yeah. So I I'm not a uh, I've never been a, a huge fan of college education, and I I, I kind of always raised my boys that you know go figure out what it is you want to do, right? And, and and then figure out what it takes to be the best in that in that industry. And then go do that. Yeah. So SGI kind of brought that to us. Is that that was the resource? That was the training uh, that we needed in order to be the best in our field. And, right. Uh, so we we were willing to uh, invest in training right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we did as uh, as much as as we could do. for this podcast comes from Minuteman Press De Pair. Minuteman Press De Pair is a complete marketing service provider offering professional design services, complete mail services, variable data printing, and digital publishing, as well as traditional offset and on-demand digital printing. Our professional staff is happy to help manage your project from design through production and on-time delivery. We've worked directly with SGI since 2001 and specialize in marketing your business. For more information, go to depair-minutemanpress.net. Welcome back to the show. We learned the story of the five guys of Five Guys Roofing, now Five Guys Home Services. Next, Brent, 
John, Jake, and Justin will dig deeper into how precisely they grew the company from $3.3 million in 2015 to more than $14 million by the end of 2019, with 2020 looking even better. So let's jump back into that conversation. So let's uh, let's let's fast forward a bit through the um, you know the, through the health issues and and the little dark time as you'd mentioned. You guys all came back end of fifteen, beginning of sixteen. Talk where was the business at financially at that point? Where where had you grown it? Were you still around that two million dollar mark, three million dollar mark, or was it a little bigger, a little less? Yeah, we'd gotten a little bit bigger. We were two thousand sixteen. I think we did around four. John, was that three point three? Okay. Yeah, we, went, we, went from, we went from two and a half million in 2015 to to 3.3 in 2016. Okay. Okay. So here we are. You know, 3.3, and you guys are significantly larger than 3.3 today, in not a lot of time. So let's let's talk about that escalation. What what are some of the things that you guys did to to you know skyrocket this this thing in such a short period of time? Can you can you put your finger on a couple? of the core changes or or just things you put into place? Well, let me speak to that first, and then I'll let the boys go. I think, I think the most um, significant change that, that I made was to let go, <laughs> to, to do the training, yeah. to, um, to outline the responsibilities, mm. and, and then to make people responsible for them. And in the beginning, in 2015, 2016, uh, that was – turning stuff over to my boys and, and, and then watching it That's and, great. you know, just watching it and monitoring it. Yeah. Uh, and, and since then it, it's been them letting go of those things yeah. and making other, bringing other people in, uh, bringing in good people, uh, that can do those things and making them responsible for them and, and, uh, and training them and, and, uh, giving them everything they need to be successful. And, uh, you know, the more people we can make successful, the more successful we are. So that's, that's uh, I think that's been the biggest change for me is to just to just let go and, and let people be responsible for the things they do. I, I chuckle, but that is really true. I think of any big company I've, I've ever interviewed, it's always the owner at some point realizes I have just a threshold. You can only do so much as one person. You have to you have to rely on other good people, and clearly you have lots of uh, good people that are also having sons to be around you. So, uh, Jake, John, Justin, what 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 remembrances do you have? What, what things do you think were the big difference over the last you know three four years that have truly uh, taken five guys to a significantly higher level? You know, I'll, I'll chime in. Um, you know, I I feel like I personally kind of got to the point, and I think all of us brothers, we, you know, and I think my dad kind of hit it on the head just now. But um, you know, we we were we were selling. You know, I was selling as much as I could. Jesse and Justin were running production and kind of got into sales, and and um, you know, we needed the sales, and so we kind of stayed in that role, but we weren't really having a lot of management there and 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 so just getting getting ourselves to a point where to where we could we could allocate you know funds in our our pnl and whatever we could come up with to number one get john back and to come work again with us i think was a huge step yeah uh, so that he could could manage it from a different level um and then and then just start bringing in again good help so that we could continue to elevate 
what we were doing. I think that with every year or two years, we, you know, we get into a role and then feel like we were kind of stuck in that role, not mm-hmm. not by by you know by choice, but just because that's what the business needed yeah. at the time. And right. It's just it you know. I think we were able to take a little bit more leap of faith the further we got into the process um, to say, you know what, like, yeah, that may, you know, that may be a, a change and a hard change, but, but it'll end up doing us good mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. down the road. And I think over the last three years or, you know, 2016, 17, I think we made a lot of those leaps of faith and those um, just changes and adjustments to, to kind of get where we are now. Mm-hmm. John, Justin, do you guys kind of agree? Is it, is it just, um, you know, finding good people to, to fill certain responsibilities as you continue to grow forward yourselves? Or is there something else that, that really comes to mind? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk a little, but uh, I honestly, a lot of it comes down to getting the right people in the right seats, mm-hmm. obviously. And I think the biggest thing we were lacking um, in 2016 to like really start on a group pattern was having somebody that was in the office and looking at the entire company as a whole instead of just productions and just sales. Um, So when John was able to come back and get that different perspective, uh, you know, John has a unique quality of being able to sit in an office all day, and the rest (laughs) of of us cannot sit in the office. He likes air conditioning. We're more, we're all more on the people side, the relationship side. Um, So it was hard for us three to sit and have to like actually run the business um, because we just wanted to go out and sell or go be with our crew out on the roof or whatever it was. So I think that was a key turning point there. Um, And then we all ended up, you know, just settling to you know, what we're good at, you know, Jake's still really, you know, he's the best salesman we have by far. Mm-hmm. So Jake's able to sell all day, every day. Right. Um, and then me and Jesse have been able to kind of fall into the roles where we're needed for now. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's been easier to grow when you get more people involved that you can trust. Um, and also when it comes to changes, like getting closer to the RSI model, um, I felt like it was a lot easier as our company got larger yeah. to make changes just because you had the buy-in of so many different people and you had a lot of people to keep each other uh, accountable. Yeah. Instead of back in 2012, it was just, you know, two brothers trying to say, hey, do this or this. So, you know, yeah. it's a 50-50 shot back then if, if it was getting done or not. Now there's so many of us trying to work towards a, a common goal that I think it's it keeps us all in line, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. John, John I'm so your name's come up a couple times. You came back in and, and filled that role as, uh, you know, in the office. What did you see? Because you come back, what, what are some things you're like, I, you know, you had the benefit of leaving and, and getting away from it, and you came back with maybe fresh eyes. What did you see needed to happen? Um, obviously, it sounds like everyone started realizing you needed to lift up other leaders in the business, but was there anything else that you're like, we need to start doing this to exponentially grow? I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that it's all kind of like all encompassing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think every every person that looks at the business and can, you know, can go through a training and recognize the things that that are needed. You know, for instance, marketing. Like when I 
when I first came in, we weren't doing hardly any marketing at all. Yeah. And so marketing was the first thing that I, that I kind of tackled. Yeah. Not necessarily because I was the best at it, but it was just a need. And, and I was fortunate that, you know, my brothers and my dad put me in a position to where I could focus on the business and not just in the business. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's where the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest challenge comes from, sure. especially as small business owners, you know, going back the last 25, almost 30 years, with my dad i mean for, for him to sell and then complete the work and then mm-hmm. you know and then work till two o'clock in the morning working on the business you just not it's not sustainable sure. um and so i think that the biggest swing was just that at the extra time that was able to be spent on the business and just looking at it and 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 taking the time to you know to try and fix it um uh, you know i Honestly, I, I don't think I'm that much more brilliant than the next guy. Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty average if you ask me, but I think if uh, I, I second that one. <laughs> I was waiting for some. I mean, you put that on a tee. With that many brothers, yeah. come on now. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my, in fact, if I were to pick a role that I'm best at, I'd probably go back out and do repairs. So, yeah. um, I, you know, not no, – anyways. So – but I, I think it, it comes back to what everyone else is saying, and I think it also does come back to you do have to spend the time on your business, and yeah. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, no, and it's nice you were able to fill a role that was needed, and, and it, it just it just it married very well together. Um, you guys mentioned all of you the, uh, and I even brought it up. Uh, finding the right people to, to give responsibilities to. So, Brent, it was you giving it to the Suns. Now, you guys giving it to um, the next level below you. But it, you got to give responsibilities to the right people, right? And, and, boy, it's sure hard to find really good people. So what do you guys do at Five Guys to find really good uh, employees? Or what is your recruiting process like? Can you maybe walk members and, and other contractors listening through what you do to recruit? Do you have someone in particular that's in charge of it now? at your size uh, or do you all take on that responsibility yeah I, I, th- I definitely think it's a joint effort um, I think all of us understand the the um, the impact mm-hmm. that that it that it can make when you do find a good person yeah. who has the right buy-in and all the right morals and the ethics yeah. and just wants to come in and make an impact and I think we're constantly looking um, for that next guy or girl yeah. you know to come in and help um, and and uh, man I wish I could I wish I could give you the secret sauce to it yeah but I I, I can tell you that I, I guess the only thing that I could say is, you know, when you associate with the right people, you're going to attract the right people. Got it. And, and I think that that's probably the one thing that, that we do well mm. is we're, we, we want to associate ourselves with the people that we want to hire. Right. Um, and, 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 and I think, and honestly, like, I think my brothers probably even do it better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding people who you enjoy being around. Right. And, and, and then being willing to kind of, take a step in the dark with them right. <laughs> kind of take that leap of faith sure. is, is hard but once you prove itself two or three times you realize that that's that's really where it's at is just taking the leap of faith and getting them in the door and that's something that my dad says a lot once you find a good person figure out how to get them in the door and yeah. then figure out what the right seat is right is it is it word of mouth is that how most of your people have come to you you have someone that is in your business and you're like boy this family's great to work for you need to come work for us is that the majority of where your employees have come from 
Um, I would say I would say at least half have have That's come great. by word of mouth. That's great. The, the other half have come. You know, we get we're to a size now where we do get just people sending us resumes that want to work for us. Sure. Um, but then you know we do spend money on advertising on Indeed, right. and we've probably hired. I don't know, probably around 30 to 40 people through Indeed, yeah. and that's been relatively successful. That's so great. That's great. Okay, so someone answers an ad at Indeed, and, and you go, okay, I like that resume. What, what What is the process like? Like, they get a phone call, they pass the phone yeah. call, who do they talk to next? When they come sit in yeah. the office, who, they, who are they talking to? It, that's a great topic. We're, we're actually working to perfect that process right now. So, right. <laughs> so right now, as it is, they're they're initially going to get an initial email thanking them for their submission. No. Um, then we'll immediately do a phone call, and immediate within the probably the next the, within a day, mm-hmm. um, we want to get a voice on the phone right. and just talk to them. Um, see how interested they are, see, you know, if roofing is what they're looking for and when can we get them in for an interview? Obviously then we're scheduling our first interview. Most of those first interviews come through me first and, and I'm really not even looking for, um, their ability to work (laughs) or get the job done. I'm looking at who they are inside, you know, their integrity, their, their, their ability to communicate all, you know, their soft skills, you know, um, all that kind of stuff yeah. and just trying to identify you know i hate to say it but the good from the bad and yeah. it's it's difficult sure. but um if, if they get if i have a good feeling <laughs> we'll move into a second round and that second round's usually um with whatever division or position that's needed the general manager will then interview them and then from there we'll either offer them a position or we'll take them to a third and fourth and sometimes a fifth interview, right. just depending on the position and who they need to be interacting with and all the other people that they need to be talking to. I like it. Well, any any tips or, or tricks on, on trying to get people to reveal who they are, they really are in an interview? That's 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 the, the big question, right? Trying to get people to, to yeah. get comfortable enough to show who they are. Is there anything that you've learned over the years that really works? Oh, man. There's a lot of things that we've tried. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only thing that I would say works almost every time <laughs> yeah. is is taking your time. Yeah. It, is, is going through multiple steps and getting them to get in front of multiple people yeah. um, just to see how they interact with different people. If they're different with one person than the other, then that's a huge red flag. Right, right. Right. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. So let's say I, I, uh, I, you hire me. Uh, I don't have any technical expertise, but maybe you see something in, in me. Uh, maybe as a, you know, a repair person or, or whatever. What is? Do you hire people first of all that are green in, into, um, you know, repair roles or, or anything like that, or, or do you prefer people with a, more experience? Justin, you want to answer that one? Yeah, so we uh, we sat down probably at the beginning of 2000. It was like the end of 2016, 17 when we decided that we were actually not going to hire people with experience, previous experience. Right. Um, we we actually hire all green guys. We we don't care if they have roof experience or not. Yeah. Um, like John said, we're all about just hiring good people. So I love it. And I think one of the key things about trying to figure out who they are, just kind of breaking it down, maybe a part of the secret sauce is in our interview process when we first sit down with them, it is not like any other interview you'll ever have, right. you know, because we're just sitting there talking and getting to know each other it has nothing to do with previous experience or 
or uh, you know whatever it is. It's really just asking them what they're passionate about. You know, did they play sports? They have family, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll kind of go down that road. But uh, you know, we've there's definitely been the trials or the challenges of sure. hiring guys that don't have any experience. But uh, you know, it seems like it's easier to teach guys the new things than teach a you know an old dog new tricks. Right. So that's kind of the the route that we've gone, and you know, tried to pair guys up with a better uh, repair foreman and Got it. kind of go down that road. So Yeah, that was going to be my question. So let's say I, you know, uh, I fool you guys to get to think I'm a decent guy and uh, you, you hire me. What is my, what's my training look like as a green guy? What, uh, what am I doing? So Just riding along or you guys do some in, in, uh, in-house, uh, you know, um, instruction so it, yeah so it's a mixed mixed of kind of both and and it's interesting right now we're actually working on creating a, a five guys university and john can talk more about it if, if he wants to yeah. but it's going to be a full full in-house training program with testing videos installation uh everything That's like great. basically a trade school by in-house That's great. um but uh, it's now we're, we're kind of finalizing some details there but previously it's been you know, roofing, it's all hands-on. Yeah. It's really hard to, to uh, you know, simulate every single scenario that you're going to have on a roof. Um, especially here in Arizona, we work on, you know, our repair foreman can work on five different roof types all in the same day. Sure. So it's really getting our more experienced foreman paired up with the new guys and having those repair foreman understanding how to train somebody. Right. Um, and, and slowing down. And so I think a lot of our training costs go directly into the job because of just, you know, it could be inefficiencies, but sure. they're just not moving as quickly as they would if both guys were experienced. Right. So um, you could definitely tell the difference between, you know, somebody that's in training and somebody or a crew that's just been working together for months and, you know, can really knock jobs out left and right. Right, right. How long will you, have you seen all sorts of results in terms of how long it takes green people to, to get proficient? You know, I, it comes down to the individual person. If they've got a good work ethic, we've seen guys move from nothing to understanding probably 80% of roofs within, you know, four to five weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen guys that'll come in and that are just hungry and want to learn everything. And right. they're the guys that are calling us, asking us, hey, what can I do? How do you do this? Um, to be honest, I've sent them a ton of YouTube videos of like, here's some videos you can watch when you're at home. Yeah to kind of see what it is like and then it can transfer out onto the roof so um but i've also seen guys that still work for us two years later you know Mm -hmm. and they're good at only one individual thing sure so once we can identify that we'll we'll put them on the right crew to where hey they're good at this thing just kind of keep them there that's so that's good that's really good information jake how about in salespeople? i mean uh I'm, i'm assuming you are hiring only salespeople from outside of the industry or is that not the case for uh no, yeah, we, um, there's only one of our current sales guys that have had other experience uh, in roofing sales. Okay. Um, we, uh, we prefer not actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, it, it's just same, same concept with Justin. Um, uh, we would, we, we want guys with different backgounds, different mindsets, um, you know, just the desire to do good and, and treat our customers well. And, and, uh, same, same kind of interview process. Um, it seems like with the sales guys, we're, you know, taking a little bit longer with them just yeah. on the interview side. 
um, but particularly because they're coming from different industries and, and typically salary paid positions and that thing. So, um, but yeah, we we're, we're open to a lot of, you know, I, we don't really care the background. To be honest. Yeah. So, Did you build your own sales system that you train these guys on? Do they sit there with you and you kind of go through it? Uh, you know, you guys are pretty, you're are very tech savvy. So is it all on a tablet or something? And you show them how you, you go from slide to slide and what you're supposed to say at each increment. You know, I, I think the answer is yes, but it's always an improving process. Yeah. You know, so one of the challenges we're facing, and and I'm kind of in the process of switching gears and roles, is just more of the training side and yeah. the onboarding and everything. So it hasn't been a perfect perfect thing, but yeah, we use uh, iPads and different technology, and I mean they go through a series of ride-alongs and trainings and and tech training and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, we do have a process, but it definitely is in the process of being cleaned up. So right, and and for your salespeople, are they in silos as well? So uh, residential only is residential, commercial is only commercial. Yeah, if they're if they're being honest, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. What t- for for you know any of you want to speak up? What is what is ongoing training look like at Five Guys and beyond just you know the the technical? What you know the the, the communication training, the sales training, the using straightforward pricing. How frequent does that occur uh, at your office? Go ahead, John. So I think the I think the large part of that comes from our weekly meetings. We have weekly sales meetings um, that you know obviously we, we, we're discussing um, the, the the lowest hanging fruit or the right. biggest um, you know problems that we're seeing. And uh, be, beyond that, you know we're we're trying to get our guys into learning lions classes. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our sales guys, I think, well, I maybe not all of them, but most of them have gone to those learning lions classes uh, at least once, sometimes twice. Right. Uh, we uh, we actually have subscribed to some other training platforms, sales training platforms, sure. um, and, you know, just to kind of sharpen our the, the tools in the shed. Yeah, um, of course. But, yeah, so... That's great. That's great. So you, so sales has a weekly meeting, and, and like, and, and your your repair guys have their own weekly meeting, or does everyone come together for one big weekly meeting? Yeah, so it's different with every division. Okay. Uh, you know, we each division has their own division meeting every week, um, and then on top of that, I hold a meeting for all of the sales team and all of the divisions, just high level sales training and pricing and everything, um, and then we also have a high level. Uh, production service manager meeting for all the divisions that's once a week um so it's specific training to the division uh once a week and then it's also um company training once a week um per per position yeah how often do you guys as as brothers and, and you know senior managers of the business come together to talk about uh, where the business is, what we need to do, let's look back, let's look forward. How, how frequent does that happen? So we meet as managers, um, and we say managers, we've got managers over the division. So that would include uh, divi- uh, general managers and our controller 
yep. as well as all of our all of the all of the families basically, mm-hmm. and and we'll sit and talk through basically reviewing the last week. Um, so that happens every week. Okay. Um, we 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 have a meeting to discuss our financials at the end of the month, um, and that's that's usually relatively quick. Um, just you know highlights, lowlights. You know, is there anything major there that 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 we're seeing um, any trends? And then we do the same thing quarterly mm-hmm. um, to do Great. to do to review financials. And then, um, like Jake said, we our our other managers, um, kind of like mid level managers, are also meeting on a weekly basis um, to review you know highlights, lowlights, issues, all those things. Yeah. So it trickles down basically. So everyone, if you guys notice an issue at, at, at the senior level, it gets down to the mid level, and then ultimately to your people on the front lines that this is what they need to do. So. There's no going. Oh my gosh! A month later, we're we're you know twenty percent off where we need to be. You guys have a good pulse of where everything's going. Yeah, I mean, I would say we have a good pulse. Um, but with that said, I always want to improve it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, yeah. Hey, it's never done, right? It's never done. What would be too boring that way, right? <laughs> That's great. Um, just kind of shift shift a, a bit, you know. Uh, you guys, you know, John, you mentioned marketing earlier, and and I didn't tackle it then because I, I thought it would open a can of worms. But you guys have your own what marketing team in that has like uh, digital people and video people. Can you kind of share with everyone what what you have uh, at, at, at Five Guys for your marketing team? Sure. So uh, we we decided actually it's coming up almost two years ago yeah. that. We, I mean, we know that the way people are consuming content is video, yes. and um, we—that's just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's inevitable that video has to be in every business, right? And so we did—we hired a videographer to come in that's and awesome. just start shooting video uh, all over the place, and <laughs> uh, and then he he creates those videos and pushes them out. Yeah, um, we're you know we use utilize him. All kinds of different ways, from sales videos, training, you know, production training videos, social media content, um, uh, you know, the list goes on. So, yeah, that's that, that's been a huge part of of getting our brand out and, and getting our message out. Um, it's been probably three months now that we we kind of hired our first marketing director oh, who okay. has taken has taken over the marketing efforts for us yeah. uh so up, up to that point we were it was kind of me handling it sure. uh with a marketing agency and um you know getting results but again realizing that i was the bottleneck in the situation right. <laughs> um we, we needed more of it and so we we found the right person and, and now we're now we're taking off so that's great that's great what what other uh, so online obviously as you mentioned you're doing are there are you doing any traditional media that's proving to be effective, or is it just too expensive in your market? I mean, I know you guys are big, but it can get really expensive, I'm sure, in the Phoenix area. Sure. Justin, you want to kind of talk through your marketing efforts on, like, the more direct homeowners? Uh, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of online uh, lead gen stuff through Yelp, Home Advisor. Um, Angie's List is kind of there, but kind of trailed off. They're not as good right. in our marketplace. Um, so, like, over the last year and a half, two years, we've been able to dial in on kind of who the better, you know, online lead generators are for us, at least as far as quality of lead. Yeah. Um, we're Sorry, say that again? Yeah, you broke the lost you in there. What was that, Justin? Sorry, can you? All right. So, the, uh, 
we we do a lot of online lead gen yeah. um, through Yelp, Google Ads, um, Angie's List, okay, um, that kind of stuff. And over the last two years, I mean, we've kind of dialed in on what which ones are better. Yeah. Um, being one of the only roofing companies in our marketplace that charge a service fee, um, you know, it's proven uh, more difficult to book leads, sure. um, especially off of online stuff because everybody else is saying free, free, free. Right. Um, so once we've kind of figured out who those better online lead gens, we'll focus more money towards those. Um, we've got some other campaigns. We do flyers mm-hmm. as well, like a flyer packet that goes out, yeah. um, I think, every other month. And that we really started in on that about six, eight months ago. Oh, okay. I would say that's one of the one of the top producers for our division in residential. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good. Very cool. Very cool. Um, how, how much? Just to transition a little bit, and then I'll, I'm gonna wrap up because we've hit beyond an hour. But you, you know, it's it's been great to get everyone's input because it's 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 just such a great story. Um, obviously, you know, the COVID thing has hit. How much did business change over the last? several months did it change much or, or did it pick up because everyone's stuck at home and they want to get their roof done or or uh did it slow down and you guys are throttling back how have things been yeah I'll, I'll speak to just like the sell side of it you know we uh we we quickly geared up to um you know have it take whatever toll on it that we you know would come and yeah. and i think at this point we could all say we were expecting it to take a bigger toll on us right. uh you know, I think on, on our commercial leads, we, you know, it, it initially kind of slowed and that has kind of since picked back up. Right. Our residential team stayed really, really consistent. Honestly, some of the best sales weeks that we had were that March, April um, area. Sure. And then our B2B division has been able to stay pretty consistent. So on the sell side, you know, we, we've definitely seen some, some effects, but um, you know, our, our team has been able to adjust and adapt and continue to produce good numbers every week. So, um, have you had to change how you, you, uh, you know, do sales presentations? I'm sure, you know, there's what masks I mean, have you done the no contact? Were you doing things like on FaceTime? I mean, I, there was all sorts of yeah. stuff people were doing it at first cause no one really knew what to do, what to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely made some adjustments. So, you know, I think our, the good thing is, is that we, you know, we feel like we're, we're somewhat tech savvy. So, you know, we try to use that to our advantage and, and be transparent with our customers and, and utilize a lot of video, um, yeah. a lot of FaceTiming. Uh, there's a way we can stay, stay away from, from each other. We're, we're going to make that happen. And yeah. obviously we want to be respectful of the customer. So we've been able to make those adjustments along the way. You know, I think as you, as you bring it up, I think the biggest impact that has had on our business, um, and maybe my brothers can speak to it as well but um it is just the 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 training side of it that um has been not been as consistent since covid hit um just you know we have company meetings every month and trainings and all sorts of stuff and and since covid hit we've we've backed off pretty heavily from that and so um it's taken a toll in that aspect and we're, we're trying to make adjustments along the way but we're definitely looking forward to at some point, hopefully, to get back to that. Sure. Yeah. No, I know that's happened, especially with a lot of larger businesses. Um, do you, have you noticed customers changing much? Are they objecting less? Are they financing more? Or is it pretty much stayed status quo? 
you know what uh, on the residential on the residential side we did you know try to adapt to uh, a contact list um inspection um you know but the, the model the sales process that we try to run has a lot to do with in-person right. and value building so um we kind of adapted to just asking the the customers you know we would tell them we can do no contact um and then when the salesman was on their way out there they'd call them and kind of get a feel for if they didn't want to talk in person or what have you and to be honest there would probably only be 10 percent of uh inspections that would actually ask us not to come inside okay so in in our marketplace like it didn't really affect us that much as far as like not being able to talk to people Uh, we'd obviously wear masks and we have gloves and hand sanitizer and all that to make them you know feel as comfortable as possible but you know i I don't know if it's just our marketplace but they seem to be a little bit more laid back about it um but as far as like I, i think we, we had a huge increase in sales um, on the residential side back in, you know, March and April, a crazy best, best sales we ever had. Um, but since then, you know, I think people were in, you know, getting home projects done. Everybody was at home, <laughs> yeah. so everyone's trying to get all this stuff done. But I think part of the reason why our sales have slowed a little bit is because, um, you know, people, I think, are starting to tighten up money just because they don't know how long sure. this is going to last. Yep. I think, you know, back then we said, oh, it's going to be a month. It's going to be two months. Well, you know, no big deal. And I think people are realizing that, you know, it could be longer than what we originally expected. So right. I think on the residential side, I think people are starting to tighten up with cash a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it comes to an end sooner than later. Um, you know, but then we're, we're in, in the middle of our monsoon season, our rainy season. Right. So when you have a roof leak, you got to get a fix no matter what. I was going to so, say, yeah, but, no, money goes out the window. You figure it out when you got a giant hole in your, you know, from, from a leak. Yeah. So. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all right with it. Um, as far as, a, you know, objections go, since people are at home all day, every day, they have more time to meet with more okay. um, companies. So, yeah. you know, it seems like we are getting people saying, oh, yeah, we're getting five bids instead of the standard three. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had people get up to seven bids, oh my um, <laughs> but they're at home all day, every day. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably a break for them to have somebody come <laughs> over and, you know, to get a break from yeah. whatever they're doing. That's so, um, so, yeah, all right. it's been interesting. Well, yeah, I just I figured I'd ask. Okay, guys, just, can, in, just a few things in wrapping up. Um, you know, one of you guys, someone mentioned, earlier buy-in in that uh, you're really getting more buy-in from your people. It probably sounds like you've got the right people on board. For, for members listening, is there anything you did or would recommend others do to, to generate buy-in? I mean, is there anything? I, I know everyone's social distancing and all that kind of stuff like we talked about, but is there anything you guys have done to, to build a culture where, it, where it be, it's become a fun place to work and a place that people recommend their friends you know, come put an application in? Is there anything you can put your finger on? I'll go real quick. I I think, uh, you know, we've done a really good job. And, you know, growing up, my dad, he, he's really good at spending money, um, which is translated <laughs> to us as well. Yeah. So we're, we're really easy spending money to have a good time. That's so great. I think that translates back to our, our employees as well that, uh, you know, we, we've done some pretty ridiculous things that no other companies would do mm-hmm. um, in order to help build that culture. Awesome. Uh, we did, uh, we're actually doing another staycation. We've done, this will be our second 
staycation that we're paying all of our employees to go stay at a hotel be by the pool oh. we're doing dinner like catering everything so we did one last year oh. this is our second one in about three weeks we're doing we do dodgeball um, <laughs> we do paintball we do uh, all sorts of stuff i mean john was at the lake this morning with about eight of our office staff took him to the lake i took my division to the lake uh, last week so yep. i mean we definitely try to make our our employees have a good time and right. kind of get out of their comfort zone. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I think it helps attract people to stay and, you know, they, they feel like we're genuine about, you know, not just saying we care about them, but actually taking care of them is, is a little different. So I love it. That's great guys. Uh, anyone else have anything to say and things that you've noticed that you've done that have really res- you know resonated with your people to create, buy-in where they feel like I'm not working for someone, I'm working with somebody. This is part of who I am too. Yeah, I think important part part of this whole whole thing is is making sure that they know and understand how important they are and recognizing them yeah. in, in, in our growth and, and the impact that they're having. And I don't know if we're great at it, but it's it's something that we know is important. And and you know, being able to kind of create a vision and a and, and being able to um, express that vision or, or tell that vision in a way that people understand um, is, is, I think, super valuable. And, and I think there's a lot of people that want to be a part of a growing company yeah. and, and want to know, you know that, that what they're doing is impactful. Um, and, and, and if, you know, if they're just here to, 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 you know, punch the time clock or just make a, like, just to, you know, get by, you know, those people don't work out for very long. Yeah. Uh, but it's the ones that can see the long-term vision of what we're trying to create is, is, um, uh, you know, where we're at, where we're at. That's great. That's great. Anyone else have anything to say? That's good. All right. Great. Well, hey, um, guys, I just really appreciate all your time. Just one last thing. Brent, is Brent still with us? He took took off. Yeah, he had to jump into another meeting. Got so. it. Got it. Well, I know. I understand. We 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 went a little long, but I just wa- wanted to see how how neat it has to be to see uh, some you know something he he put together himself, and then see what his sons have done. It has it's 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 got to be a pretty great feeling for him. It's got to be a great feeling for you guys to see this uh, this family business uh, just generate what it's doing and 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 uh, to have become what it is is just tremendous. So well, it's probably uh, a good thing you didn't ask because he probably would have been crying for a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. No, that's great. That's how I kind of am too. So, guys, I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so very much for being so open and and free and sharing your story. It's just a great story. I look forward to to hearing many more successes in the upcoming years. So thank you so much and have a blessed day. All right. Thank you. you. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Brent, John, Jake, and Justin Stoll of Five Guys Home Services, formerly Five Guys Roofing, in Gilbert, Arizona. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Vital Storm. Vital Storm is a growing team of creative thinkers who are passionate about driving leads through local search. Our model for acquiring, tracking, and reporting leads is tailored toward the home service industry. Whether it's PPC, SEO, or social media, 
We convert internet traffic into qualified leads via a unique process of creating design and campaign management that produces results relevant to your industry, market, and company. For more information, go to vitalstorm.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved. 2020.